0: Well, as we celebrate our Christmas and Advent really comes to a close today, um, it really is just a new beginning and what we're celebrating today is what the children sang to us, light of the world. That's been our theme and that's a theme that's taken obviously from John eight twelve, from Jesus' words, the words that Jesus himself gave and he gave it later in his life, really close to the end of his ministry But nonetheless, it's as true at the beginning as it is at the end of what it is that we celebrate at Christmas. We are celebrating the wonder and beauty and the glory and hope of what? And we see the gifts and we see the trees and the lights and those are wonderful things and we should be celebrating today and we should be eating wonderful meals and we should really be rejoicing. But... At the end of the day, as we think of Jesus' words and we consider them, the true glory, the true beauty, the true hope of Christmas is Christ Jesus himself. He is the light of the world who has come into our darkness. And what we celebrate is how he came. He came first as a newborn babe lying in a humble manger. And then later in his life, he would become a man who would be crucified by the Romans on a cross. And he did this so that sinners like you and I might no longer walk in the darkness. But that we might have the light of life, very specifically the light of his life. That we would have his life in our hearts, in our homes, not just for a minute or a moment or a meal, But for every minute, and for every moment, and for every day, now through eternity, all as Ephesians tells us, for the glory of God's infinite grace, that we might be testimonies of how great God's love is, how perfect, how holy, how pure, and how good all of that is. Christmas, brothers and sisters, is all about the greatest gift and prize of all, and that is... The gift and prize of the life of Christ, the Holy Son of God, the light of the world. The gift and prize of Christ Jesus and His life in us and with us every minute and every moment. Now, last week there was another celebration that took center stage and captured the hearts and eyes of the world. And that was, of course, which many of us watched, myself included, was the FIFA World Cup final. And there was a bit of a scandal that broke out at the end after the award ceremony when uh, an internet celebrity and fan got on stage with the others and grabbed the World Cup and kissed it. And it was outraged by football fans around the world. Well, what was the big deal? Why was this so offensive? Well, according to FIFA, as one of the most recognized sporting symbols in the world and a priceless icon, the original FIFA World Cup trophy, this is taken from their website, can only be touched and held by a very select group of people, which includes former winners of the FIFA World Cup, heads of state, and FIFA officials. Now, I might add it wasn't an offense to FIFA and others that thousands of Migrant workers died building the stadiums for the World Cup. But what did become offensive was that a fan or someone who wasn't supposed to grab that trophy and touched it and kissed it. What was sacred and holy to sporting fans and football fans around the world. Well, brothers and sisters, praise God. The God we worship, the God of the Bible, is not like FIFA. And praise the Lord that he is not like Most of the sporting events and professional sporting leaders in our world today. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That he sent his son intentionally as a babe, as a fetus, as a child in a mother's womb. And then as this newborn infant babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. He intentionally did that to give us his most precious prize and possession, the life of his son, Jesus Christ, he did that intentionally so that we might have him, so that we might touch him, so that we might hold him, so that we might possess him, so that we might have him as our own. Not just heads of state, not just kings and special important people and sporting champions, but people from every walk of life, every nation, every race, and every tongue, every social class, Rich, poor, young, and old. That we might gather and be close to the light. That is the glory of Christmas, brothers and sisters. And that's what we celebrate this morning. This new beginning that God brings. As he breaks into the world and shows us that maybe how we've been doing it has been a little bit or a lot dark. And what we need, he has given us. And he has given us richly and graciously in an abundance and in a way that we all can have and possess. But he does so as we consider Jesus' words with one caveat and one requirement. You don't have to be a head of state. You don't have to be a sporting champion. You don't have to be rich or special. And you don't even have to have gone to seminary. I like to bag on guys who go to seminary because I went to seminary. You don't have to be any of those things, but there is one requirement. And as we listen to Jesus' words, He makes it clear that the one requirement for us to draw near to the light is that we follow the light. And as we consider the three stories that we heard this morning, the story of Mary and Joseph, the story of the shepherds in the field, the story of the wise men, really they're testimonies. They're more than stories. They are their testimonies from the Word of God. As different as those people are, different social classes, different languages, different backgrounds, different jobs, different careers, as different as they are, what's common to each one of their journeys are the steps of faith that they took in order to follow the light. Each one of them, the Lord worked in And did a special work and wonder. He provided a way for them. Not only to be with Christ. But to possess Christ. And for Christ's life to change their lives. But he did it in and through them by faith. And the first step of faith that we see. Brings us to our first point this morning. And I'm going to walk with you through three steps of faith. That they walk through. Of what it means to really follow the light. Because we hear Jesus talk about this and we hear him say this. And yes, we know the reason you're all here and you're not at home is we believe that we need to follow the light. But what does it mean to follow the light? What does it mean to follow Jesus? And as we look at these three groups of people who God does this amazing work in their lives, it begins with believing God and what he has to say about Jesus. Following the light requires us to believe God, to take him at his word, and to believe what he has to say about Jesus. Now, this sounds incredibly remedial, but when Jesus says, John 8, 12, he's speaking in the temple. He's talking to, as we know, and we've been through this, a group of believing Jews who have gathered in the temple, and the biggest issue and problem they have is to believe what God has said, and very specifically, to believe what God has said about Jesus, And yet, as we consider Mary and Joseph, we consider the shepherds, and we consider the wise men or the magi from the east, this is where their journey begins. And we can't begin this journey, and we can't follow the light, unless first we believe what God has to say, if we take him at his word. And very specifically, we believe what he has to say about his son, Jesus Christ. Now, understandably at Christmas what captures our attention just like Mary and Joseph and the shepherds and the magi initially are the angels and the star the supernatural and heavenly lights that the Lord God sent as signs to get their attention and to get our attention as well and those are signs that the Lord uses to get their attention and our attention that the Lord is about to say and do something really important something very special but brothers and sisters at the end of the day Angels are simply and literally messengers. That's what that word in Greek means, angel, a messenger. They're simply messengers from God. And heavenly hosts and lights are simply supernatural signs that are given by God to point us to Him. And very specifically what He's about to say and do. And without God and without His word and without His light, angels and stars really become meaningless and worthless good for nothing except to be ornaments on our trees and decorations in our homes. But as we follow the testimony of God's word, the Lord shows us that the real turning point in the lives of Mary and Joseph and in the lives of the shepherds and in the lives of the magi from the east, the real turning point that comes in their lives is when God speaks to them through the angels. It's his word that becomes the turning point. And this is what changes their lives. And this is what enables them to follow Jesus. And this, brothers and sisters, is what begins to bring them close to Jesus. Their belief that what the Lord has to say to them is true. And that they need to act on it. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me back to Matthew 1.19. And in Matthew 1.19, we're at the point where Joseph is about to divorce Mary because she is pregnant with a child that he does not know. And verse 19 says, And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son. And he called his name Jesus. Now at the beginning of this account, Joseph, who is by all accounts a good and righteous man, is absolutely clueless. He's in the dark. He doesn't have a clue what's going on. And his best intentions to do what's right are taking him in the wrong direction to abandon this woman and abandon this child. And without doubt, the appearance of an angel in a dream gets his attention. But brothers and sisters, what is it that turns Joseph's darkness into light? What is it that turns his fear into faith? And what is it That transforms his eyes so he can no longer see this woman and this child as a curse, but instead to see it as the greatest blessing in his life. That's what the angel says. It's the light of God's word that bears witness to who this unborn and for the moment unwanted child is. It's what the angel says. And the Apostle Paul reminds us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of Christ. What is it that changes Joseph's heart and his decision and the direction of his life? Brothers and sisters, it's not Joseph's circumstances. Joseph's circumstances don't get better. In fact, the longer he spends with Jesus from the world standards, his circumstances get worse. There's a rough journey waiting for him with a pregnant wife. What changes his decision and the entire trajectory of his life is Joseph believing that what the Lord had to say about the child in Mary's womb is true. And this is what transforms Joseph's resolve to abandon this woman and child And instead fills his heart with the resolve to do whatever it takes. Including risking his life in order to care and protect for this woman and this child. And the proof of faith is Joseph's obedience to God's word. And his obedience turns him from a life in Nazareth into a fugitive of faith. And brothers and sisters this is what it means to follow the light. Now, church family, this has been a hard and challenging season for many of you. And I know a number of you, circumstances have been hard. Illness, family illness, relationships, and circumstances certainly at times seem dark. What is God's provision for his children to turn our darkness into light? What is God's provision to help us and to direct us during the darkest of times? It's the same brothers and sisters. It's the light of his word. It's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus Christ. Very specifically it's the good news of who Jesus Christ is. Emmanuel God with us. Not a God who is far away. Who we have to chant or pray or go through the rosary. In order to try and hope that he might listen to us. But a God who has come to be present. Who we can touch and draw near to. And hold and talk to. And walk with because he is indeed alive. And He is present with us through His Spirit and His Word. And it's this presence of Christ, it's the good news of who Jesus Christ is that allows us to see our lives through the light of God's life and the light of His love, even in the most difficult of times. But brothers and sisters, the first step of following this light begins with believing that what God says about Jesus is true. And this, brothers and sisters, is the truth that Jesus says sets us free from the darkness and empowers us to let go of what keeps us in the darkness. And this brings us to our second point. Following the light requires letting go of our past in order to be with Jesus. Following the light requires letting go of our past to be with Jesus. As we've already noted, the lives of The three stories that were given are just remarkably different. Mary and Joseph are probably poor, working class. Shepherds are down there at the bottom. And the Magi were at the very top. They came from different backgrounds and different areas and different lands. But the second step of faith that continues to move all of them to the light was their willingness to let go of their past. In order to be with Jesus. Each one had to give up something. And each one had to let go of something. If they were going to continue to follow the light. If they were going to continue to be with Jesus. Brothers and sisters. When Christ comes into our life. What we celebrate is his goodness. And his grace. And his mercy. We celebrate what this world can never offer. We celebrate that his life has come into ours. And yet it's a life that comes and brings us a choice. Are we going to hang on to our old lives? Or are we going to let go of those things? And are we going to continue to walk with Jesus? In Luke 2, Mary and Joseph have to leave their home and life in Nazareth. And what's worth noting there is they have no idea initially what the connection is. Caesar Augustus makes this decree that the census has to be taken and they just have to do it because they live under a somewhat oppressive Roman regime and yet ultimately later they will realize that God is bringing hardship and difficulty and adversity into their life in order to fulfill his word in their life and brothers and sisters how many times when we're in the weeds is it hard to see what the Lord is doing How often is it hard to understand and we share that sentiment that Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And yet faith and trusting that God is good, that he is who he says he is according to his word. And the testimony of Christ's birth on the cross is that the Lord will never leave or forsake his children. will allow us at some point in time to look back and understand and appreciate that in those darkest of times, the Lord was doing a good work in our lives. And very much so, part of that work is by forcing us or bringing us in to separate us from the things that hold us back from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we see this also with the shepherds. How do the shepherds respond to God's good news of great joy that unto us is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord? Well, have a look at with me at Luke 2, verse 15. Luke 2, verse 15. It says, When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste And found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Now it's fairly obvious for the shepherds. In order for them to see Jesus. They have to leave their fields and they have to leave their sheep. And they have to go into the city, into Bethlehem. Really more a small town. But the proof of their faith in what the Lord had made known to them. Is that they do this without hesitation. It says with haste. Verse 16, they went with haste and that haste of faith is rewarded by finding Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger just as promised to see the fulfillment of the word that God had given them. And brothers and sisters, I want to remind you today that what we celebrate at Christmas with Christ actually coming as a child for those who had waited for centuries to the promises promises of God. God is not just in the business of giving promises. God doesn't just give promises to keep you going. He's not a coach giving you a pep talk trying to get you through a hard time. His love for his children is that his promise would lay the foundation so that we could see the fulfillment of that promise. And so those promises can become real in our lives and that we might enjoy the fullness of of his love and his goodness in our lives. Now for those of you who have little children, you understand where the excitement starts for Christmas. It's the idea that gifts are coming. And the excitement and the thrill mounts as we go from talking about Christmas and hearing about gifts and going through Target catalogs or going online on Amazon and seeing all the things that we want to there being gifts wrapped underneath the tree. And then it's the countdown of how many days. And then it's the sleepless nights and the early mornings. But we understand all of that as we talk to our children about Christmas and prepare them for Christmas. Is We're not just putting empty packages under the tree. The intent of, a, of every parent is the wrapping is secondary. It's all there to get us to the point where we're able to share something we love with the children we love. And at the end of the day the gifts are also secondary because what's most important for us is to be with the ones we love and to share that love with one another. And brothers and sisters, that's what we celebrate at Christmas. That Christ came. But he didn't came he didn't come, excuse me, to stay with us for a minute and then just take off. Our family enjoyed watching this reality series on Disney. It was David Beckham's series called Save Our Season where David Beckham comes and he comes to this team in the east of London that's on its heels, the place where he used to play and he encourages them and he spends time and he gets them jerseys and he takes them to Wembley and he does it to inspire them and to build their confidence so that they can be the best version of themselves. And I hate to admit I I loved it. You know, it's that sports arc, right? Losers, someone comes in, they get inspired, and they end up at winners at the end. But brothers and sisters, when we think about Christmas, it's not even close. Because at the end of that, in years from now, maybe one or two might make it into the Premier League. Maybe one or two will look back and remember that they had this moment with David Beckham, the star, and maybe they were inspired and did become the best version of themselves. But the whole point of Christmas, brothers and sisters, is that Christ comes and he does what we cannot do. He dies for us. And he doesn't come just to inspire us to be the best versions of ourselves, to be the best dad and the best husband and the best parent and the best pastor. He's coming to take us out of the darkness and bring us into the light. He's coming to give us a completely new life. He's coming to give us His very own life. And the fullness of His life is that fellowship and love between Father, Son, and Holy Spirit that we might know the love of God that we could never know because of our sin and the darkness in our lives. He's come to bring us home. And as we consider that journey that he comes into our lives to bring us home. And to bring us to the place where the gifts are unwrapped. And the fullness of God's love is on display in our lives. What's necessary for that to happen brothers and sisters. Is there are some things that we need to let go of. And what's interesting is we consider Mary and Joseph have to leave their home in Nazareth. The shepherds have to leave their fields and their sheep at night. The magi need to leave their positions of authority in the east. And they need to come on this journey. First to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. But there are three groups of people who can't let go of their past. They're the other side. King Herod, because he's got too much to lose. The religious leaders, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and then ultimately the town of Bethlehem, where there is no room in the inn and the Jewish population at large. They see the same things, they hear about the same things, they even hear the word of the Lord. And yet at the end of the day, they cannot let go of what they have because they have too much and they want to hang on to it. And they never change. And they stay in the darkness. And though their lives are easier in the beginning. As Jesus points out in John 8. They will die in their sins as slave in their sins. Because they refuse to believe what God had said in his word. And brothers and sisters as we think of the gift that God has come to give us. And we think about what we celebrate today. It's also worth thinking what are the things in our lives that we need to let go of. What are the things. That we need. To release. For some of it's our jobs and careers. For some of us it's our relationships. I'm not asking you all to go quit your jobs. But you know what I'm saying. There are things in our hearts. That have a hold of us. That take a priority. That our eyes are so close and we're fixed on. That we can't begin to see the Christ who is with us, whose light is present with us. We can't begin to see his love at work in our hearts and lives and those around us. And we can't begin to see what he intends for us. And yet by faith, as he comes and speaks into our lives, and as we begin by faith to believe what he has to say to us, and as we begin by faith to say, maybe there's some things that I need to let go of and it's going to be hard and it's going to be painful. By God's grace, what we begin to see is the fullness and greatness of His love at work in our lives. And we're mindful at the end of what these shepherds found. Luke 2.16, and they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And this, of course, is part of the journey of the cross. It's what Jesus says in Matthew 10.38, whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. And Jesus is pointing out that if we're going to follow him, there is going to be a death. This is something that Julie likes to remind the young mothers, right? That with children, when they come into our lives, there's an end of an old way of life. And if all we do is hang on to that old life, we remain stuck and we become discontent and we become sad and sorrowful. But if we're willing to let go and we're willing to die and we're willing to allow those things that the Lord wants to remove out of our life. We are able to begin and see the beauty and the joy and the goodness of the life that the Lord is pouring into us. And this brings us to our final point for this morning. Following the light by faith enables us to worship Jesus as Lord and King. Following the light by faith enables us to worship Jesus as Lord and King. What's the outcome of this journey of faith that begins with us believing what God says about Jesus and that continues with his call for us to let go of our past in order to be with Jesus? Well, for Mary and Joseph, it's a life with Jesus. And for the shepherds, it's making known the good news. And Luke 2.18, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. And for the Magi, it's a heavenly joy that erupts in the worship of Jesus as Lord and King. Turn back with me, if you would, to Matthew 2, verse 9. Matthew 2, verse 9. It says, after listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother. And they fell down and worshipped him. And then opening their treasures, they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. Brothers and sisters, what is the prize and reward of a faith that takes God at his word? What is the reward and prize of a faith that is willing to let go of our past lives in order to be with Jesus? Well, for Mary and Joseph and for the Magi and for the shepherds, it's this heavenly joy of being and beholding The light of God in their lives. It's of seeing Jesus for all that he is according to God's word. It's the undeserved gift of worshiping Jesus as their Lord and King. Their Lord and King. And this is what we see with the Magi when they fall before Jesus. And they worship him. And they give him with joy, not reluctantly, the best that they have to offer. And what we're witnessing, brothers and sisters, is this miracle of no longer walking in the darkness, but actually having the light of life. Now, brothers and sisters, the polls from Gallup and Statista tell us that today, 90%, about 90% of Americans will be celebrating Christmas. And around the world, 2 billion people will be celebrating Christmas today and Millions will be celebrating later in the month. Now, I have no shortage of good stories to tell of wonderful memories of Christmas. I have a lot of them, and I'm thankful for them. Really, I, I am. I believed in Santa. I was told Santa was real. I used to get up every morning, and psh, I was devastated when I was told at school that Santa wasn't real. My older brother played a part in that. I, I don't hold it against him. Okay? And we have any number of wonderful traditions, brothers and sisters. We should rejoice, we should celebrate. But, brothers and sisters, for many, this celebration is going to be nothing more than the celebration of a tradition. Now, traditions are not bad, traditions remind us of what's important. But it's worth remembering, brothers and sisters, as we hear Jesus' words, I am the light of the world, and whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's worth remembering, brothers and sisters, that Jesus didn't leave his heavenly glory and come into the womb of a virgin. And he didn't come to be born In a town that had no room for him and to be laid in a manger. And he didn't live this life and ultimately he wasn't crucified. And he didn't give his life for you and I simply for a tradition. And if that's where our celebrations stop, brothers and sisters, we've missed out. He came, brothers and sisters, so that we by faith might follow the light so that we can have the light. And as he's saying this in John chapter 8, he's speaking it to Jews in the temple within the context of the wandering through the wilderness years where he was the one who led the children of Israel through the wilderness and brought them into the promised land through the Shekinah glory. And I believe one of the points that he was making at that time we do not worship a God who says, hey, here's this great ending. Go out and figure it out. Here's the roadmap. map. Here's the scripture. Do all these things. And at the end, you get the prize. Our God is the other way around. He comes into our life. And he says, I love you. And I will enter your darkness. And I will walk with you every step of the way to get you where you need to go and to get you to the promised land. So that along the way every minute and every moment you might see and enjoy and behold the goodness and glory of my fellowship and my love. There's only one requirement. That we follow the light. And so brothers and sisters as we celebrate later today and as you go home with your families rejoice give thanks. There's so much that we have to be thankful for but greatest of all let's be thankful for who Jesus is and what he's done. But let's remember, if we have such a great treasure, how are we supposed to keep it? How are we supposed to share it? How are we supposed to celebrate it? Not just on December 25th, but every day through the rest of the year until Christ comes again. We must believe what God has to say. We must let go of things as Christ continues to move us forward. And ultimately, we must celebrate with joy the gift that He's given To worship Jesus not as a tradition or a painting or a picture. But as our king and as our Lord and as Emmanuel, God with us. Let's close in prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are and what you've done. Thank you for the gift of faith that you give freely. Help us, Lord Jesus, this Christmas. To see and behold how much you love us. And would you help us, Lord Jesus, to follow the light. In your name we pray, amen.